Hewler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It's high noon on a Thursday afternoon, and that can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes, the decade-long NFL vet. I'm Wesley Euler, the media kid who's known for smoking meats and playing pond hockey. Not just playing pond hockey, being a pond hockey legend. You know, it's one of those things. I feel like I can't call myself a pond. You know, you can't call yourself a legend. Why not? But if somebody else wants to do you? it, that's okay. You know, because what? it just. Who made that rule? Who made that rule? Me? See? That's the problem. Like, I don't know, Arthur Motes. For example. <sighs> mm-hmm. I'm waiting to hear this one. Please, please help me out. Jimi Hendrix could walk around and tell people he's the greatest guitar player of all time. And we'll be like, you're absolutely right. You're right. But it, <laughs> it, it, I think it means more when it's somebody else saying Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitar so, player So of does all Michael time. Jordan call himself the greatest basketball player of all time? I, that's a good question. I think he has said that publicly, hasn't okay. he? I think so as well. I know LeBron has said publicly that he's the best basketball player of all time. Shaq says he's the most dominant big man of all time. And I think Tom Brady said that he's the best football player of all time, too. Primetime says he's the best player of all time. You got to own it, man. You have to own it. Just saying it, though, puts the balls on your back. So if somebody sees you around any pond of hockey, they're going to try you. They are going to try you, without a doubt. I'm just not trying to get my ankles. (laughs) I'm just just trying to not get my ankles broken out Listen, if they see you in any – oh, it's ponds over here. It's frozen. Oh yeah, what's up, Wes? <laughs> I've been meaning to have been meaning I've to heard, see something. I've heard you a legend, huh? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Let's put that. Uh, it's, it's like the, uh, yeah. the three hundred quote, right? Let's put that to the Let's test, man. Let's put that to the test. Absolutely. <laughs> Yin's already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours? You can get your questions, comments, concerns, reactions, your thoughts. Tweet them to us at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. We'll be joined here in about. 10, 15 minutes by our buddy Brian Backo, good friend of the show. Let me find out he's going to call on the right day this week, man. We got him. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. Wow. We got him. Who would have thought? Brian Backo coming up here in just a few minutes. Motsi, we've got some uh, some things to talk about here with the Steelers defense before we get to Backo. But before that. What you want to talk about? I'm what you want to talk I'm about? I'm a little frustrated. Uh-oh. You know, you came in here with the honesty for me, you know, telling me, hey, man, I'm just – I had a hard workout yesterday. I'm a little tired whoa, today. Whoa, whoa. We gotta get I it said going. that. I never said that. I said I feel great. I said I feel okay. good. Listen, we don't have to lie to the people. I, I, said, I said, man, I feel like Superman. Moat said, "Times Batman." Moat said, "Turn that, turn that intro music up. We gotta get yeah. it cranking today because I need a little energy boost." <laughs> I gotta be honest with you too. I'm a little frustrated, Motsy. Uh oh. With the National Hockey League, mm. the National Basketball Association, mm. and, Major, and Major League Baseball. Get it off your chest, then. We're into June here, Arthur Motes. June eleventh. Okay. I mean, we're we're well into June. Correct. And like every other country in the world is playing sports mm-hmm. or is gonna start playing sports next week. Even a place like Italy where they just got decimated with coronavirus. What what are the what is the NHL doing? What is the NBA doing? What is Major League Baseball doing? Mm. There are dozens of examples of around the world how to do this safely with no fans in the stands. It is ju- it's almost the middle of June. Yeah. And these leagues are saying that they're not going to start until the very end of July, early August. 
Like what? How are we going to get to July Fourth and be nowhere close to having sports in this country? What What are we doing? Well, I will say this, man. Some of these other leagues that you speak okay, of and these sports. other countries. Team sports. No, no, no. Not even team sports. Some of them, they just aren't run the same way, baby. You know, as Americans, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. <laughs> so we can't just be going out here all willy-nilly like some premier soccer league. Like, what are, what are you talking about, baby? This is the National oh, Hockey nilly. League. This is the Major oh, League Baseball. Nilly. This is the National, like, National not premier. We're talking national, baby. You, you, just, <laughs> you just got 40 years older in my book with that all willy-nilly. All willy-nilly. I just I saw those things from the from the NHL yeah. and the NBA this morning where they're like, ah, yeah, we're hoping to start camps in mid mid July. Start camps? That means we're not playing games till August. What are we doing here? Well, and I will say this though, there are still some things they have to work out. It's when we're talking about the NBA uh, frame from a logistics standpoint, because it was assumed that okay, it was a twenty nine to one vote. I think the mm -hmm. uh, Trailblazers were the only ones who voted against starting, but. That was the team votes, right, as a collective. So if it's 15 of us, five of us could have said no. But because 10 of us said yes, our team's playing. So what came out today, I think this was on ESPN, some of the players still aren't comfortable with the concept of going to play basketball in Orlando in that bubble. And they're working with the NBA PA to make sure that they're not penalized for not going to sure. – not going on because, I mean – we, we're in a safe zone right here in Pennsylvania, right? We haven't really experienced a lot. Outside of Philly. You know, and, yeah. and things like that. And some of these teams, some of these players in different states are going to have similar experiences, whereas you're going to have some people that might have family in New York City or in California where it's drastically Seattle. different. Right, where their perspective of COVID-19 is drastically different than me and your perspective. And I think it's important that we're sensitive to those people as well. And if they're not comfortable taking that chance because of what they've experienced or what their family might have experienced, then I think it's important that they don't be penalized for that. And I think that's what the NBA, the NBA PA is trying to get worked out because not every player on every team is open to going down to the play. Sure. Even though for us, like you said, sitting in the, com the confines of Pennsylvania, in, in the western part of Pennsylvania, yeah, that – we're kind of like, man, come on, let's get this thing started. Like, the cases are low. They've been low here. But, like I said, in New York City, it's totally different. And I think that's the thing that, that is kind of slowing it up and why it is taking a little bit longer to get the ball rolling with NBA, at least. I can't – now, MLB, they got some bigger fish to cool. fry. Because, yeah, they, they, they got some janky business practices going on. <laughs> they got some, there's a lot of finger-pointing oh, finger going yeah. on there. Yeah, no, you're right. Major League Baseball is a completely different discussion yeah. than hockey and basketball. Yeah. I like, okay, you're right. I mean, you're right. I'm coming in here with the emotion, and you're presenting logic. That's what I need you listen, for. Listen, listen, man. We got a chance to see Sid the Kid skate yesterday, man. You better take that and smile because he looked glorious on the that, ice. I took that, and I smiled, and then I realized it's going to be another two months before he actually plays a meaningful game. But, but I will say this in addition to that. I do still think it's important that we don't just rush them back out there from I a agree. health and safety standpoint. That's the thing that they're trying to prepare for with the NFL when they're talking about shortening the preseason and right. starting training camp early is because, I mean, as athletes, your body, we've talked about this before on this show, your body is trained and conditioned and is built up to compete at a certain level. To ask these guys after sitting out for, what, two months to, hey, start up the first week of July and playoff hockey on top of that, like, that's a lot. It is. Right. And they're not going to have any warm-up games. Think about that. They went with the when the NHL proposed. I think it was a twenty-two game playoff or whatever. 
20 no 24 24 playoff yeah, yeah 22 for nba correct yeah but when, when they proposed the 2014 playoff they didn't say it was going to be any exhibition games prior to that they didn't say it was going to be any regular season games right. any quote-unquote preseason games it's hey all right y'all done warming up live action and, yeah hey, hey yeah. for all the marbles let's go like so i think it is important that we give them time especially in hockey and especially in basketball and then eventually with football i, I think with baseball you can get away with it a sure, little bit more. physical Correct. In that element of it. But when you're talking about those sports, though, with basketball and hockey, you definitely want to give those guys time to heal. Otherwise, you're just going to open them up and make them susceptible to more injuries. Like I said, I come with the emotion. Arthur Motes brings the logic. That's why we're such a good tandem. But your hair is always good, so that's all that matters. Sure, I don't know about today. Speaking of which, Uh-oh. you'll like this. Quick Uh-oh. side note. Uh, with – the English Premier League, right? The top flight soccer league coming back next yes. week. Stadiums are, you saw this in Germany. Top flight soccer league. It ain't no MLS, though. <laughs> All right, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no Ralph, though. <laughs> ain't no Ralph, though. ain't no Ralph. <laughs> um, you've seen this in Germany, right, where teams, like, fans could send in their picture and teams yes, are putting, yes, like, Yes, yes, I saw that. Absolutely. Starting this morning. So Manchester United in both ends of the stadium, uh-huh. they call them TIFOs in soccer, but we would probably call it like a mosaic. Okay, yeah. They are putting fan mosaics in both of the end zones, if you will, mm, of the stadiums. Okay. And you can submit a picture of you, like a selfie of you wearing a Manchester United something hat, scarf, jersey, and send it in and see if yours gets picked. Nice. This morning I sent in a picture. Hey! <laughs> I checked on, okay, I ch- okay. I, ch- I checked on my scarf and had wifey snap a picture, so we'll see if I end up making it in the Manchester United. I like United it, man. Mosaic. I like it. <laughs> uh, but Arthur Motes, uh, switching gears here. Um, Albert Breer is a guy that we, we talked about earlier this week in his yes. reports um, that, you know, with the, the two-week hybrid period leading mm-hmm. into training camp. Um, I, I just I, I like reading his stuff. I think he does really well, especially in this, as we've discussed, this uh, gold rushing for content stage that we're in right now. Everybody in sports radio is in. He was asked uh, on his Sports Illustrated blog, Monday Morning Quarterback, uh, somebody asked him the top five defenses in the National Football League. Or, sorry, somebody asked him who he thought the elite defenses were. Correct. The truly elite defenses in the National Football League. And he said in no particular order, I think there's five that stand above the rest. San Francisco 49ers, Baltimore Ravens, the L.A. Chargers, the Chicago Bears, and our Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Arthur Motes, do you concur? I do, man. When you're talking about those defenses in particular, I think they're all top-notch. I think one of the defenses that I would probably – switch out <clears throat> I think I'll go taking the Bears out put Bills and I think obviously the Bears had that huge year when Two Khalil Mack ago. first got yeah. there but ever since then they have definitely been on a decline and I think they're more so living off the reputation of that and then when you look at some of the names that he named Akeem Hicks Danny Trevathan I mean those guys are what 30 both of them and then Khalil Mack's at 29 Kyle Fuller's at 28 I think the Bills defense is a lot younger and a lot better across the board and with more depth. So I would probably switch them out. But the Niners, I love what they have. Obviously, they're young, and they – they I mean, just on all three phases of their defense. I mean, you're talking D-line linebackers and secondary. They have top-flight guys with the Chargers. Same situation, and especially with Derwin James coming back for mm-hmm. a full season. That takes that defense to a whole nother level. And then the Ravens are the Ravens. We know what they are. We know what they present. And obviously, with Pittsburgh, it's a similar situation. But for me – I think the Bears are up there more so because of what they did two years ago, whereas the Bills, they have proven these past two years that they are up there with us in Pittsburgh and with the Ravens. I like that call by you. Yeah, 
hey, listen, if the Bears return to the form that we saw in 2018. Correct. that's different. That's different, yes. certainly. But going off of last year and projecting forward, I think I'd say the Bills ahead of the Bears. This might you could tell me would I be crazy to say the Patriots ahead of the Bears too? I don't think that I don't think that's far fetched at all. I don't either. And, and I understand the Bears bringing in Robert Quinn. That's a huge boost from a passing standpoint. But I also think there are more factors and variables that go into creating a good defense. And number one, when you're looking at how they're going to have to work in concert with the Bears' offense, I think they're always going to be put in very very bad situations, which we've seen of lately. And it's only so long that you can stand up and be Superman. Eventually, you're going to go back to Clark Kent. And I think that's what we saw, you know, this past season with yeah. them. And yeah. Obviously, these past two seasons with them. So, for me, when I'm looking at the Chargers, I anticipate them being way better. So, from an offense standpoint, that's going to alleviate a lot of pressure on that defense and make them better. The Niners, we already know what they have on offense. Similar situation with the Ravens. And then, obviously, with the Steelers getting Big Ben back, that's going to be a very similar concept. But for me, I'm more confident in the Bills' offense than I am the Bears' offense, which in turn is going to help that Bills' defense, which is already great in my eyes, and make them that much better. Whereas for this Bears defense that has, like we said, been on a decline the past two years, they still haven't answered those questions at quarterback between now they bring in uh, Nick Foles, but we haven't seen Nick Foles outside of that playoff run with Philly those two years right. really be the reason why a team is winning. We haven't really seen him do it for a whole correct. season. Correct. Yeah. And I know people point to the Pro Bowl season, but even then it was still more gimmick than him just being the alpha leader yes. of that team. And a big part of the reason why he made the Pro Bowl that year is because he had the one game where he threw for seven touchdowns yes. at the end of the season. Absolutely. So it's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah. So that's why for me, I'm not sold on the Bears being a top five defense right now. I'm with you on that. Fringe defenses listed, Broncos, Rams, Saints, Bills, Patriots. I guess the Broncos are an interesting one. They they lose uh, Chris Harris. They lose some kind of, you know, stalwarts yeah. on that defense. But we're, we're both fans of Bradley Chubb. Absolutely. Vaughn Miller has a better season now that he's healthy. I could see the Broncos defense having a bounce back here. But, yeah, I think with you, if I'm going the elite defenses and you have and I have to pick five, um, I think I would have the Niners one, and then I could go Steelers, Ravens, Chargers two, three, four, and even Bills. Too. Honestly, I could, but as like as, as you're talking about it, I could argue the Bills. De- I like the Bills defense more yeah, than the Chargers I mean, defense. Because when you talk I, about the Bills defense from all three phases, I mean, you look what they have up front. I mean, they're stacked. Obviously, front. we talked about Ed Oliver, who's what the number ninth overall mm-hmm. pick. A year ago, you saw the season that he had. Obviously, they have Jerry Hughes, who's consistently been a double-digit sack guy. I mean, they they have a ton of talent on that front. And then at the linebacker position with Tremaine Edmonds, Edmonds, we talked about him being one of the rising stars in the NFL at that linebacker position, along with the Matt Milano, who is the the unsung hero. You know, it, it's kind of reminded me of um, when, when people talk about, I guess, Patrick Wilson and Ronald Bowman for the longest time. It was always mm. Willis getting all the praise. Sure. Bowman was like, we were like, yo, Bowman is crazy productive, but nobody really talked about him. And then Bowman started to get his recognition. I think that's a similar situation with Matt Milano. When you watch the tape, he's extremely productive. He gets everywhere. But when you're talking about him from a national standpoint, nobody really even knows about him. But he'll probably get a contract extension that'll put him on the map. And people will say, well, who is this kid? And then they'll start to recognize about him. And then obviously in the secondary, you talk about Tredavious White. I mean, he's one of the best in the business right now. And he's extremely young. Yeah, you just you, you hit on it there. Tremaine Edmonds is 22 years old. They're, they're young. Just turned 22 years old in May, by the way. Ed Oliver is what, 22? 22 or 23. Tredavis White is 25. Yeah. I mean, extremely young, man. 
And then you bring, I mean, and the fact that Leslie Frazier is your defensive coordinator uh, and you're pairing that with a defensive-minded coach in Sean McDermott, who you saw the success that he had in Carolina with Luke Keekley, with uh, with Thomas Davis, with all those guys down there. And did I, I forgot to mention, they even brought in Josh Norman this year yeah, to add to the competition right. at cornerback where they already were very, very good. And along with bringing in a guy like Mario Addison, who's very familiar with McDermott's scheme from his success that he had in Carolina, where he was getting multiple sacks there as well, uh, multiple double-digit sack seasons there as well. Who are the truly elite defenses in the National Football League? Let us know on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at DeBody52. DeBody. We'll discuss this and more with our buddy Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He joins us on the other side. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Now it really feels like a Thursday, Arthur Motes. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. On the right day. <laughs> wow. And it feels like football season. It's, it's wow. a sense of normalcy here. Joining us, as always, our good friend of the show. We only have two good friends of the show, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Batman, what's happening, buddy? How are things in Shalerland? Oh, things are, are beautiful. And if I'm not mistaken, the other good friend of the show is Jordan Dangerfield. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. See, that's how good of a friend of the show I am. I even know who else is, is on this plane with me. But, uh, yeah, that's a you, good company to be in. You know how you could help us, Batko? Um because we don't, and we've gotten some, you know, some pushback from from the fellas on this. We don't call Adam Crowley and Chris Carter good friends of the show Mm-mm. because they're not guests on the show. Like Correct. when they're on the show, they're co-hosts. Right. So we've been trying to come up with another term. I don't know if you got anything for us. You can let us know in the future. Uh, but you are yes, one of two, and, and the only non-Pittsburgh Steeler who's a good mm-hmm. friend of the show. It's I mean that's legendary. What, what about like an affiliate? Can Chris or, or Crowley be an affiliate? Of the show? <laughs> good affiliate of the show. Yeah. How do they get initiated though to be affiliated with us? That's the real question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, I just do it out of the goodness of my heart. Those guys are, are contractually obligated. That's right. <laughs> Back up, buddy. Uh, we started uh, the top of the show. Um, Albert Breer saying that he thinks there's five elite defenses in the National Football League in no particular order, but he said the Steelers, the 49ers, the Ravens, the L.A. Chargers, and the Chicago Bears. Do you concur? I don't know that I think those five are are clearly in a tier by themselves, and I guess I would have to consider the the Patriots are, are still near the top of that. I know they've They've had some turnover, and, and we don't really know what they're going to be as a, as a football program in 2020 if they're even trying to, to be a successful team once again or if they're looking big picture long term after the Brady era is over. But it's, it's hard for me to separate some of those, those teams from, from New England. I do think, uh, you know, since we're talking on Steelers Nation radio here, I think the Steelers are, are absolutely in that group. And, Maybe, unfortunately for them, uh, I think the Ravens firmly belong <laughs> in that group as well. And, and unfortunately, uh, they share the same division. Yeah, man, um, I was agreeing with that as well. I think the the team that I had talked to Wes about <clears throat> was – Oh, let me guess, the Buffalo Bills? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when you look at what they were able to do from a statistical standpoint compared to what the Bears were able to do, 
this yeah. past season, or the actually these past two seasons. I thought that was the only one that I would probably change out. We definitely talked about the Patriots, though, because obviously any team that's coached by Belichick, you know from a defensive standpoint right. they're going to be in that conversation. But I thought when you're looking at the roster for the Bills' defense and, and comparing them with the Bears, number one, the Bills are a lot younger. But I think they have a lot more talent and depth across the board, whereas I think obviously you talk about a Khalil Mack He's their main guy that you bring in, Akeem Hicks. And obviously they brought in Robert Quinn, who's, I think, 30 or maybe going to be 31 by the time the season starts as well. They're a lot older. I mean, Khalil Mack is at 29 right now. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't, he's one of those guys who doesn't seem that old because he's yeah. just been such a phenom from mm-hmm. the get-go. But, yeah, I mean, to, to another point, I don't know that the, the Bears have a corner as, as good as Trey White for Buffalo. I mean, he's one of those guys who's, who's coming to his own and, been a true shutdown one half of the field so you know we saw that last year when when they faced the Steelers I mean he's uh he's absolutely legit on the outside and, and you have to factor that in with with any good defense discussion and we all know the Patriots have that guy in, in reigning defensive player of the year Stephon Gilmore Brian Backo with us here on Steelers Blitz uh this has been talked about a, a decent amount by a lot of different sources over the last week or so but do you think it's safe to assume that training camps are going to start earlier this summer, that while it, it won't be necessarily training camp as usual right away, maybe like a hybrid OTA uh, mini camp type ramp up period, but do you think that there's there's going to be something done to kind of make up for a lot of the lost time this summer? I don't know, Wes. I think what's going to be tough about that is the players' union is is probably not itching to to all of a sudden um, you, know, you know kind of spoil that month that guys really have traditionally in mm. between the spring activities and and then training camp, which is really when when the true grind begins. And, and I'm sure most can speak to this. Like it, it's hard to say, okay, we want you to continue to be a professional. You better stay in in good shape. You, you better still be pouring over the playbook. Uh, during these times when we can't meet in person and, and have to do it all over Zoom for OTAs and minicamp, but then also turn around and say, well, we think we also need to get you here in person in July or whatever before training camp begins. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go for that if I were a player. Yeah, I think that's going to be a very unique situation that they have to gonna, they're going to have to maneuver through because, like you said, you do have to have that balance. But either way, I think the, the common goal – for both players and coach staff should be how can we get these guys in here and have them prepare number one so that way from a health and safety standpoint they're in their best situation going forward but then also are going to be competitive in knowing the playbook and knowing how to ultimately implement that on the field because through a zoom call we already talked about how it's still a lot of difficulties in terms of uh, I guess retaining that information and being able to take it into the field and things like that. Yeah, and you can't necessarily show the coaches uh, that you've retained that information, Correct. at least in a physical way. So uh, I do kind of like the idea that's been floated out there, I guess, earlier this week that maybe they'll make an exception for guys who are new to a team, a free agent, or uh, a rookie, a, a draft picker, an undrafted free agent, because those are the ones who are, are really going to be behind the eight ball, the young guys in particular. And when you look at the Steelers, yes, they, they drafted six players, uh, they brought in, what, 8 to 10 uh, undrafted priority free agents, but they, they also got uh, at least a half dozen guys from the XFL, and, and I know they're long shots to begin with, and, and those types always have a, a high, you know, a steep ladder to climb, but they're, they're going to be uh, in an even more unfortunate position this year than, than they would be in a normal 
offseason. So it would be kind of nice for them if they can maybe get the green light to, to at least get there a little bit early, get acclimated, get their feet wet before they really have to dive into uh, all that comes with training camp. That's something that Moats and I discussed yesterday. Uh, just the potential for tampered expectations for rookies, right? With with no rookie minicamp and the virtual OTAs and minicamp, the lack of hands-on instruction, the lack of you know being able to go out there and, and make a mistake and get the correction hands-on from your coaching staff. Do you think it's fair to say that not only for the Steelers rookies, but just in general across the NFL, maybe we need to tamper some expectations for what we expect uh, from the rookies this season? Yeah, I do, because this is 2020, I think, is going to be a huge year for coaches who really know what they're doing and, and can really adjust on the fly. I mean, you, I think it was the Browns game last year, was it, that, that Joe Hayden came into the post game and said it was as impressive as he's seen from any yep. coach, Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin just kind of getting on the chalkboard and uh, drawing up a quick adjustment that, that pretty much saved the day. I'm not saying you're going to have to do that every week, but I think in the big picture, that's going to be the kind of expertise that is needed. And, and if you're a, a relatively new coach, maybe a rookie head coach, or, or maybe even a guy who uh, defers a lot to your staff, this might not be the year for, for you to really be a strength of your team. I mean, I, you, you obviously think of Bill Belichick as someone that is going to be able to immediately calculate and, and figure out how to best use his personnel and, and scheme it up. Uh, when you're really only getting uh, uh, you know, a month before the season starts, maybe a little more, uh, to get your unit to, to come together and, and be a cohesive group on both sides of the ball, uh, you're, you're going to need to rely on guys that you know what you're getting. So I think Mike Tomlin has, has showed over the years that he's willing to move slow with rookies, and, and you could see that even more this year. Although, uh, you know, it, it was funny the other day that I think it was yesterday everybody was getting all excited about this supposed video of Chase Claypool doing back <laughs> handsprings. It wasn't even him. I guess that's uh, that's social media in a nutshell for you. I had to point out to, to some account that good uh, journalist Ryan Backo. Hey, I'm just not saying I'm the, the big J journalist, but uh, you know it didn't take much for me to say, hmm, that doesn't really look like Chase Claypool. <laughs> I think we'd know if he could do back handsprings like he was a uh, a gymnast or something. Like so I just, Gabby you know, Douglas out there. Link. Yeah, I just clicked a couple of links real quick and figured out who it was. But uh, I think the the clip that one of those accounts posted is, you know, still out there going around, racking up the retweets and, and the favorites. So uh, that's that's a little bit distressing when you talk about uh, the internet age. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Chase Claypool's still very athletic. He just can't, uh, <laughs> can't look like a six foot, hundred eighty pound guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now the NFL was floating at the idea. I think this was yesterday. We saw where they were talking about potentially shortening the preseason by two games. So what are your thought process on that, especially in this type of offseason where OTAs haven't been able to take place like how they traditionally would? I think it's a good idea, and and I would say that any year, the the fact that we're going through a pandemic right now just to me makes it make even more sense. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're going to lose. Uh, some critical aspects of preparation by, by cutting out games. You, you're, you're losing the opportunity for back end of the roster guys to, to get film out there and, and put tape out there, not just for their own team, but for the other 31 teams. But it, at least everybody would be in the same boat as far as that goes. And, and yes, it's nice to knock off the rust, but uh, I think even more so now with, with everybody kind of coming back in, in phased returns and things of that nature, you're, you're not going to want to risk 
putting your veterans and, and your really important starters out there in preseason games. So uh, I, it wouldn't be a huge loss to me if, if they cut the preseason in half and, and maybe even eliminated more than that. I certainly don't think the fans would miss it. Uh, it's, it's just a big question, I guess, of what you do uh, with that if you're a player and, and if you're a coaching staff now that you can no longer factor that into the evaluation process. Couple more questions here with Brian Backo, our buddy from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. You can find his work there. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Backo. I, I just need to know, buddy, were you part of the uh, the legal team that Juju Smith Schuster used to file his <laughs> trademark for its Liddy? I was not, but uh, yeah, I guess big, big ups to, to Juju for capitalizing on his own twist on the tournament. It clearly. He didn't have enough uh, standing to, to file for a trademark on just Lit because that's been going around way too long. But uh, he put his own little spin on it. And, uh, hey, I, I don't necessarily know if, if it's a factor of these guys having maybe a little more time on their hands <laughs> this offseason than they normally would. But uh, he, he obviously got one of those trademark uh, attorneys involved. And, and I'm sure soon we'll be seeing those Juju Smith-Schuster, it's Liddy t-shirts and, and whatnot, but I, I think what Steelers fans would find most Liddy is if he can get back to a 1,000-yard receiving uh, <laughs> season and prove himself as, as a number one option in this offense. Absolutely. Now, the Hall of Fame has said that they still anticipate going forward with having fans there and, and going through the whole event. Obviously, the Steelers are supposed to be playing in the Hall of Fame game, so how do you envision that whole thing playing out and working out? Well, it's interesting to me that the, the Hall of Fame is, is – and David Baker, I believe, is, is the president there. And, and they're really pushing for this idea to basically be the trial run for the NFL and, mm. and saying, look, we can show you uh, how we can go through all these hoops. And it's not just a matter of where you, you put fans to sit around for the enshrinement ceremony. It's, it's all about what are you going to do for parking? What are you going to do for waiting in line to get in? What are you going to do when people do get in? Do you – take temperatures do you, do you do something else have them report um what do you do with the restrooms <laughs> yeah yeah what do you do with all of that stuff so it's it's the hall of fame you know they they have all the motivation in the world to try to sit down and, and figure out all of that and, and come up with some contingency plan so uh maybe they they would be a good guinea pig uh for lack of a better term and uh, i also wonder if, if maybe the steelers at heinz field could give that uh a quick you know, test run of, of what it would be like to maybe get just a, a couple thousand fans in there to watch a camp practice before you try to make that happen in the preseason or the regular season. Now, on one hand, yeah, it could maybe help you work out some kinks, but on the other, do you, do you really want to risk, uh, you know, something like that just for a, a practice or, in, in the Hall of Fame's case, an induction ceremony, which, yes, it's become a, a cool event for fans, but isn't necessarily something that, that has to have a huge crowd there to, to be the same. The guy you mentioned, uh, David Gilmore, right? Is that his name? No, it's uh, David Baker. Uh, David Baker. Yes, yeah, Baker. that's right. David Gilmore. Most knows because he'll be uh, giving him that jacket one of these days. That's right. <laughs> David Gilmore is like, a, like an old rock legend, I think. David Baker. Uh, he Just said, another guy that you could call up anytime you want. That's oh, right. Wow. Moats, has, Moats has got him on speed now. <laughs> uh, he said earlier this week on Good Morning Football, Backo, that the Hall of Fame has five different plans for mm -hmm. how they could handle yeah. all that. You know, starting with what you just said, going about it business as usual with, you know, obviously some precautions and social distancing and, and extra sanitation practices, things like that, all the way down to plan five, which is let's just push it completely back and, and hold it next year and, and kind of do a joint 2020-2021 induction. 
is it safe to say that if they don't, the NFL should or does already have a similar plan with the start of training camp preseason, the start of regular season, where we've heard some things floated around, but that's probably just like scratching the surface where they really probably have multiple different kind of if A, B, and C happens, we do E, D, and F. Yeah, I have to assume if the Hall of Fame has five contingency plans, the the NFL itself with 32 teams and, you know, uh, 2,000 players, they they probably have 50 contingency plans. And and I think you need that right now here in early June. And and I'm sure that, you know, while they are completely different from the other three major sports leagues in terms of roster size and uh, all of that stuff, uh, you got to think that they're looking at how the NBA, NHL, Maybe not Major League Baseball, but those other two, uh, they're looking at how those uh, leagues plan to proceed. You've got this plan with with the NBA going to Disney and kind of quarantining all the teams there. That would be a lot harder to do for the NFL, but you've got the NHL coming up with its hub city uh, idea. So uh, it's it's good that that all these um, leagues that have very highly paid and you would hope intelligent people are, are working on this. And uh, it does give me some semblance of hope for this season uh, going off without a hitch. And, and we'll see as we get closer. There's still a lot we don't know. and Things are going to change as far as the science and, and the medical community dealing with COVID-19. But uh, every little bit uh, of news that comes out, uh, I think depending on your outlook, you can find either the, the positive in it or the negative. And now, when you're speaking on that, too, obviously with the uh, the medical advances hopefully coming sooner than later, something that was brought up with the NBA were how some of the players weren't necessarily on board with going down to Orlando, but they want to make sure that they aren't going to be penalized if they did decide to, you know, stay in their respective places with their family and that uh, risk, you know, um, acquiring COVID-19. Do you anticipate something similar to that happening with the NFL and their players? Yeah, I think you're going to get a bunch of different opinions on that, and it's it's just like living life right now with your your friends or your family. They they pro- a lot of them probably feel differently about uh, returning to the green phase or, or going out to a restaurant or, or going to the gym or playing pickup basketball or something. And and that's where it's going to be tough for these leagues, I guess, to to get everybody kind of on the same page. Like you to to go back to that NBA example, I'm sure there's a there's a subset of guys who say I don't know about this whole idea of. Uh, supposedly quarantining uh, away from my family and being around a a bunch of other players and coaches and staffers in a new city, I'm a little leery, whereas there might be a whole bunch of guys who are like, you know what, I don't want to have to be quarantined in Orlando. I want to be able to to go out if I still want to. And uh, this seems like it's actually going to restrict how much I can uh, sort of live my life. So I'm sure there's a a pretty large spectrum uh, for for all pro athletes right now. But I do think the, the vast majority of them probably want to, to find a way to, to agree on something to, to get their sports back up and going because, you know, one, that's their livelihood, and uh, two, they, they've just been out of it for so long, and there's there's legacies at stake, and uh, there's a whole lot of uh, achievements and, and money at stake as well. So I think at the end of the day, uh, eventually they're, they're going to figure something out, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, or the NFL. MLB, not looking quite as <laughs> They yeah, have we, totally different set of issues yeah, right now. Yeah, we talked about that as well, too. That's cool. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. Oh, I tell you what, he's a good talker. He's an even better writer. Brian Backo, find his work in the PG. Follow him on Twitter, at Brian Backo. Hear him here with us every Thursday on SNR. Except when he doesn't want to call on Thursdays. You know, you always got to dwell in the negative. Yep, yep, I'm I'm that guy. I'm I'm that guy. I'm just trying to radiate positivity (laughs) here.
Mo holds a grudge. He forgives, but he doesn't forget. So uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing about this uh, for the rest of the, the year. P- people applaud that with Michael Jordan, so I'm just following suit. <laughs> There's a lot of comparisons between you and uh, his airness. <laughs> Hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Our good buddy, Brian Backo. We appreciate the time as always, partner. Have a good weekend. All right. Be safe, guys. See you. There he goes, that guy, I tell you. That guy, he's something else. He's the best man. Old Brian Backo, again, uh, on Twitter, at Brian Backo, he's still, you know, with the... Good dude, man. With with everything going on, he's still pumping the stuff out there on, on his Twitter timeline and dispelling rumors about Chase Claypool doing yes. backflips. Well, you he's know, a good follow. The, the way Brian everything Backo. started, too, with that was he, po- like, Chase Claypool posted it on his story. And people thought it was people, him. Yes, like... But it was he was the one video, holding the phone. Like, holding Correct. The phone. Yes. Yeah. See, that's all we need is just a little investigative journalism. That's we got it, it all baby. figured out. <laughs> when we come back here, uh, we talk. We've talked a little bit in the first two segments uh, about the Buffalo Bills defense, the New York, the New England Patriots defense. I've got a uh, an NFC East. Sorry, 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 sorry. AFC East. Pardon me. Conversation that I want to have with Arthur Motes. Uh, there's been some interesting things said about that division in the national media. And maybe the approach of the other teams now that one Tom Brady is out of that division. I want to get Moats' take on something I thought was a, a little ridiculous from a prominent member of the football media. We'll get into that as we wrap up the first hour on the other side. Inside the Electric Factory, he's Arthur Moats. I'm Wesley Euler, and this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, our listeners know that we are, uh, we're both Nate Burleson guys. Yeah. I think he's very uh, good as a broadcaster commentator analyst on the nfl network of course part of good morning football a show that has just grown by leaps and bounds in popularity over the last year or two and i've said before on the show right it's kind of my morning routine i wake up i take the dog for a walk i come back in i throw good morning football on the tv while i'm kind of prepping our show while i'm eating breakfast because they do a lot of fun creative content stuff sometimes that, (laughs) that i can kind of repurpose and and steal in a way for for our show again especially during this gold rush of content they were talking about the afc east arthur motes and are is it still the patriots division i guess Mm. was was kind of the conversation and nate burleson said to quote the great rick flair which of course i love to be the man you got to beat the man very true and the patriots are still the man and some of the reasons that he gave are certainly fair. He said, you know, like, those whoever wins that division this year, if it's not the Patriots, they don't care that Brady's gone. They're still going to celebrate like they finally dethroned the king, right? Like, yes. the, the Patriots are the big dog until someone knocks them off the porch, I think was one of the lines he used. Okay. In the scope of the division, I guess I can buy that. Sure, they've won it for, what, 12 straight years, 13 straight years, yeah. something like that, but... Didn't the Titans kind of already knock the Patriots off the porch last year? They beat them in the first playoff game in Foxborough in their own backyard. Tom Brady's gone. His last pass as a Patriot was a pick six interception. I, 
I don't know. Maybe it's just because I think the Bills are the team to beat in that division clearly now. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sorry, and I'm not going to tell those guys how to act and celebrate it when they finally do dethrone the Patriots, but it's it's winning the division this year is not the same as it would have been last year or one of the years when Brady was still there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think they will celebrate because anytime, and again, they should. anytime you win the division, yeah, it's, you're it's a celebrate. huge accomplishment. Exactly. It was times we were the favorites to win the division here in Pittsburgh, and we still celebrated like it was 1999. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do. But ultimately, I do think that Nate has a very valid point in terms of the Patriots still being the team to beat. Until we know what the Patriots are going to look like, hmm. we have to operate with the assumption that it's going to be business as usual and it's the same old Patriots. Now, when we're talking about them getting beat in the playoffs last year in the wild card, <clears throat> for me, I don't associate with them losing in the playoffs as the being knocked off because let's be real over the past seven what past yeah seven eight years they've lost in the playoffs before they've lost in the Super Bowl before but we all knew who the Patriots were in terms of the AFC East we knew they were the alpha dogs in that in that division we also knew that come playoff time regardless of what conference you were from you're going to need to bring your A game because they're going to give you that type of effort regardless of the team they were putting out regardless of health I think the reason why the Titans beating them last season still doesn't get the same type of flair and, and hoopla around it is because a lot of people do realize the the roster that the Patriots had going into that game and the lack of talent and depth. I think that's something that stood out a lot more now, whereas I think in the moment we made it a lot bigger just because, you know, it is anytime you see the Patriots, and in particular Brady, sure. getting beat, we want to magnify it. But for me, I, I think seeing them – go through a full season where they don't win that division, that will be the official changing of the guard. Because right now, I mean, the last time we seen Belichick without Brady, I mean, he still went, what, 13 games with uh, – no, no, he won 11 games with uh, Matt Castle. And then he had, what, five – he went 5-0 and between Jacoby Brissett and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So we've seen him in spurts in one elongated season without Brady where they were still – very successful mm -hmm. so for me i'm still on the wait and see approach i need to I, I feel like the bills are the favorite just off what we know on paper and what we know about the bills right now but until i get a chance to see jared steedham <laughs> until i get a chance to see what that offense and defense looks like i'm still gonna still operate with them and having that same type of respect no different than the Steelers last year you think the Steelers last year without big ben teams didn't think they were still hey man we got to come in here and really go to work no, they still took that same approach. They still took this team serious. And I think teams are going to take the Patriots serious until proven otherwise. And they should. And, and I mean, you yeah. should take every NFL team serious, I right? Mean, you should. You, you, you certainly should. I guess maybe, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. And I agree, too, that right when you win a division in any sport, you should celebrate it. It doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. And people don't ask how. They ask how many. Correct. That's a eulerism, baby. Talk about Woo! it. Uh, I guess for me, what I thought of, right, was how – Yes, the Chiefs right now are the top dog of the AFC, obviously. Mm -hmm. they, they won the AFC Championship game. They won the Super Bowl. It's not the same, though, as if I think if they would have beaten the Patriots last year instead of the Titans in the AFC Championship game, if that mm. makes sense. Like, I think there's one thing to be said for snatching the mantle from somebody while they're still playing, right? Gotcha. Like, if, if Mahomes and the Chiefs would have dethroned the Patriots and Brady en route to that Super Bowl, mm -hmm. obviously it's still a Super Bowl. You're still celebrating. It's still the dang yeah. Super Bowl. You're still the new kings of the NFL. But it would have been cooler 
you know, for the Bills or the Jets or the Dolphins, whoever it is, to snatch that division title while Brady was still there. I think that's – like, people weren't celebrating beating the Bulls as much in 1999 when Jordan was gone as if someone would have been able to dethrone them, you know, like the Utah Jazz when Jordan was still playing. Yeah, I think from a storyline standpoint, right, of course all, you want you want to do that. <clears throat> but for me, man, I, I I don't like to get caught up in the storylines. I look at it just as, as plain and simple, man. If we won the Super Bowl or we beat – in advance to X amount of playoff wins, I don't care who was in front of us. Right. We control the teams that we control. For the Chiefs, I don't think it takes away from what they were able to accomplish. I don't think it takes because away either. I think about what happened the cooler. I think about the year before <laughs> where they did have that chance in the AFC championship yeah. game versus the Patriots Lost where, overtime. And, and there were still some questionable calls. I think in that regard, that was to me almost the changing of the guard. It was almost the okay. This team is up here on the same level now. And then we saw the They're following <laughs> season over a 16-game body of work where it was clear-cut that the Chiefs were the better team in yes. that regard. Yes. So I think for me, that's kind of how I looked at it. But obviously from a storyline standpoint, of course you want the – You know oh, I always want the storyline, jo- Jordan going to Detroit to beat the Pistons with the bad boys. Oh, and the, I thought the, it's the, like – The Capitals finally getting past the Penguins on their way to winning yeah. that first Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, from a storyline standpoint, that's cool. For me, I look at just the end result. I don't yeah. care who you had to beat along the way. And shoot, if you don't have to go and run the gauntlet to get it, man, don't run the gauntlet to get it. Just get it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a process guy. Most yeah. is a results guy. For, for all that, for, for all that, Le, LeBron, look, man, you, you should have ran that, that with that last season when, uh, when he was with Cleveland. You should have went and, and played the 76ers with Joel Embiid. You should have <laughs> played Giannis with the Bucks. Oh, then you needed to play the Celtics with, with, with Kyrie. You, you should have went and ran that game. But no, nah, I, I don't need the storyline that bad. Just get me to the finals and let the word happen right there. Yeah. <laughs> the, fan, the fan side, too, would take that for sure. You don't yeah. care the route. Just get the bling, right? Yeah, absolutely, Who man. Who cares about the route? Just give yeah. me the ring. Listen, if I can avoid a couple of lumps and bruises, let me avoid them lumps and bruises, baby. <laughs> One hour in the books, another hour to go. Second hour of the show, we'll get to three question Thursday. We'll also address your tweets. So get them in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. 60 in the books, 60 to go. Come back with us on the other side inside the electric factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Magnificent. Well, that's good. Me too. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, rocking with you here on Steelers Blitz, our number two. And Yin's already know to drill. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions. Get your tweets in at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. I'm about 15, 20 minutes away from three question Thursday. Which is my favorite thing to do on a Thursday. You and me both. And I got some good ones for you today, Motsi. I hope so. But first, that's where I wish I could do a really good Billy Mays voice. There's more. But wait, there's more. You know, this is something we've talked a lot about rookies and rookie expectations. And, you know, we evaluated the draft picks and who you like more at this position. And why do you like this guy? I got a question for you as it kind of relates to that similar topic here, Arthur Motes. Okay. Guys like Tua Tagovailoa. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Burrow, like Josh, Justin, pardon me, Herbert. There, let's see, I almost did it again with the first names and the mixing up. Herbert, Tua, Burrow. Should they start right away, week one, 
with the lack of normal off-season preparation time and even, like we're hearing, potential less preseason in-game time, you think it's fair to throw those rookies? And I, I get that there are different situations on their team. Uh, uh, Tua and Herbert have more capable backups sitting there with them on the roster as well. But do you think it's smart, fair, whatever the term you want to use to just kind of throw those guys out there week one with all the change and, and un, uh, lack of normalcy this offseason? I personally don't think it's a good idea, but for Joe Burrow, I don't think he has a choice. <laughs> He's the when, tough one. Yeah, when they got rid of um, Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton, yeah, they kind of basically said, hey, look, regardless of the circumstances, you're going to be the guy day one. Good luck. Take the keys to the car. Don't crash. <laughs> now, I personally think they're setting them up for failure in that regard when you already think about the dysfunction surrounding that team right now and how they're trying to right the ship, which I think they did a good job of cleaning house and going about it the right way last season. But what you're asking Joe Burrow to walk into in this very, very unique offseason, I think that's asking a lot for it him. Is. And you're talking about A.J. Green coming back who what was injured. We don't really know his full health status and things like that when he's going to be returning. So I just think that it wasn't the best idea to get rid of Andy Dalton personally when you didn't agree. need to from a financial standpoint. They were fine. So when you're factoring that, I think that he definitely is going to have the most challenging situation. Tua, he has Ryan Fitzpatrick down there. He's going to be fine. And also, if they don't get rid of Josh Rosen, he's still down there as well. So there's time for Tua. He's not going to have that same type of, I got to get thrown out there into the fire situation because Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown on numerous occasions that he can be a stopgap. He can be. He can win games. He can win games, absolutely. So you're good in that regard. Now, when we're talking about uh, Justin Herbert, who's out in what, uh, L.A. with LA, the Chargers, with the Chargers yep. you still have Tyrod Ty Taylor. Taylor. And Tyrod already has a familiarity with Anthony He's Lynn. He's a professional they, they quarterback. They back to Buffalo. Yeah. So they already are confident in what he can bring to the table and win them games, especially early on in the season. And even if he has to be the quarterback for the full season, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback on top of that. So – those two guys and Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa, I think they have the best situations because they're not going to be thrust into that action. They already have veteran quarterbacks there yeah. for them. I think with uh, with Joe Burrow though, yeah, they That's they kind of they've already answered that question for him. They, they answered they, that question early. Yeah, they they didn't even let this thing play out. And for me, I think that was a bad move overall by the Bengals, but. This wouldn't be the first time we said that we think that's a bad move by the Bengals. Probably won't be the last time either. You ain't lying there. No lies detected. Yeah. Listen, whatever you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, old Fitzmagic, whatever you think about Tyrod Taylor, I, I don't think anyone can debate that they're professional quarterbacks, right? We're not saying they're elite. We're not saying they're future Hall of Famers. Which is fine. Which is fine. They're professional quarterbacks. I don't know if Cincinnati has one of those on the roster other than Joe Burrow as it stands right now. That's a tough situation for the young man. And I get, hey, Zach Taylor, right? He's supposed to be one of these quarterback whispers. I'm sure he's very confident in whatever plan and coaching and in the whole offseason schedule that they've had for Joe Burrow. But you know what my mom would say, Mozi? What say, would she say? She'd say, hey, you're really putting all your eggs in one basket with that one. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that you do not want to do all the time, man. No, you do not. But like you said, man, they've made their bed. They're going to have to lay in it. And I just think it was unnecessary, honestly. I do, too. Because, like I said, from a cap situation, they weren't strapped for cash. From a contract situation, Dalton's contract was very, very favorable. For, when we're talking quarterback contracts, mm -hmm. very favorable. 
And I think, too, the important uh, uh, thing I think people don't take into the equation with this, too, if Andy Dalton was still on the roster and Joe Burrow goes out there and struggles week one, week two, week three, no one in the Cincinnati fan base was going to be screaming to put Dalton back in there. They they just weren't. It's the same. You and I talked about this, right, along the lines of if the Steelers were to bring in a big-name backup, like Mm -hmm. a a Cam Newton – Big Ben could struggle the first two weeks of the season. Steelers fans aren't going to be be screaming to put Cam Newton in. For that reason, too, I I don't think keeping him around put any extra pressure or stress on Joe Burrow, if you will. Yeah, um, I don't know about that one, Motsi. And speaking of interesting quarterback decisions, Bruce Arians, all right, he was uh, on Chris Long's podcast. He went on Chris Long's podcast, and he had some interesting comments about some ideas that they have with their quarterbacks this year uh, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, right? And kind of the feeling that if throughout the season, if one of these guys gets COVID-19, you'll have to quarantine them. They won't be able to Correct. play for two weeks. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Arians has said that he's trying to decide whether or not to keep a quarterback away from the facility to ensure the club has a healthy signal, signal caller in case Tom Brady and his backup must be quarantined. And I quote here, Bruce Arian says, that's one of the things I've been pondering the last two or three weeks as we've set the protocols. From what I'm understanding, if you test positive, you get quarantined for two weeks. Now, if you know ha- if you have no symptoms, I don't know what that means, but there is much to learn and still explore with this thing. But I thought about keeping the third quarterback on the roster out of the room. So we have two guys that have been in our system, Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin, really sharp. So I might have to quarantine a quarterback or I might, yeah, I might have to quarantine a quarterback just in case of a potential quarantine. I don't know, Arthur Moses. Is he thinking about this too much? Sometimes you're too smart for your own good. <laughs> Let's be real about this, Bruce. You can keep somebody away from the facility all you want. That's fine. If Tom Brady gets hurt or if Tom Brady catches the COVID, I don't really care who that backup quarterback is that you've had away from your, your facility for however long it needs to be. He's not going to be able to come in there and have that same type of impact. It's really not going to matter. I mean, for all that, you might as well just sign somebody off the street because that's the equivalent of what it's going <laughs> to be like. That's what it's going to be like, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's not going to be around the guys practicing on the regular. He's not going to be around the guys interacting, communicating in these same meeting rooms. I mean, you're setting that guy for failure. I mean, but you know what? I'll tell you this. If you want to pay me to sit at the house and, and just study the playbook and, and come in on conference calls, hey, I'm your guy. Sign me up. Mm. I can do that. <laughs> I said, because that's essentially what you're going to be doing, talking about keeping the guy on the roster, yeah. paying him, but keeping him at home so he doesn't catch the COVID or spread the COVID. Yeah, you can sign me up for that. I, hey, listen, I'll come out of retirement just to do that part right there. Yeah, I'm with I, I'm with you on that one. Jeez. I mean, they might as well sign you too. That's why we had it. I mean, hey, man, hey. The, hey, I like this. It's, you know you know, you got like the arm reserves? Quarterback <laughs> reserves. That's what we'll be. We'll be the quarterback reserves. You know what I mean? We'll be straight. You know, our, our good associate of the show, Adam, Adam Crowley, <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's funny. We talk about Eulerisms yeah. and, and people point out the you know the certain quirks that you have when you get behind a microphone as well. Mm-hmm. One of Crowley's things that he always jokes is he'll do a job for 80k a year. Mm-hmm. So like Crowley always makes the joke, you know, if I was the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I would do for 80k a year, you know, if I was the uh, you yeah. know if I'm the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, which I would do for 80k a year, like that's one of the jokes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, okay. That's one of the jokes that Crowley makes. Hey, for 80k a year, I'll be a I'll be a quarterback reserve. <laughs> I was say eighty k a year. Hey, wait, 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 what I'll that? be a quarterback reserve for eighty k a year. I'll take it. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, crazy I just, situation, I, man. It really is. But I'm with you too. It, for as much as that would help keep one of your quarterbacks, you know, healthy away from the the coronavirus potential, 
In theory. In theory. Because, yeah, because if that, that quarterback, he could still be going out exactly. to the store. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, in theory. But you got to yeah, assume. So, you know what? so, in theory, no. Uh, in theory, it Cause doesn't Because this is the thing. You have to assume that they're going to – I mean, it's Tampa. It's not as if, hey, you're going to stay in, in in Missouri somewhere. No, he's going to be in Tampa as well because you're going to want him easily accessible. So, I'm pretty sure they're going to be going to the same grocery stores, interacting with some of the same people. Oh, you don't think he's, he's gonna have the beach two blocks down? Listen, the street you you don't think him? he's gonna want to hang out with his friends that are teammates as well? So in that regard, man, I just don't see how that really makes sense per no, se. Neither do I. Neither do I, Arthur Motes. But one thing that I do know that makes sense: three question Thursday. <laughs> we'll get to that on the other side. A three pack of Questions? embrace debate. Loaded questions Mm -hmm. for Arthur Motes and for you as well. We will get to that on the other side. Rolling along here on a Thursday, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Don't forget Steelers Blitz. That's Blitz with a Z. That Mm. is where wherever Mm. you find your podcast, you can find us. For those of you who want it on your fingertips on demand, those of you who might miss some of it when you have work or family things going on, or maybe you try and catch us in the loop in the evenings, but you would just like to have the podcast, the show, commercial-free, might I add, right at your fingertips on demand. Again, Steelers Blitz with a Z, wherever you get your podcasts. Three Question Thursday coming up right around the corner. Stick with us. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I got Motesy bouncing with a little action Bronson here on this three-question Thursday. Listen, me and my oldest daughter, man, we rock out to some action now. Do you? Absolutely. This is actually our song, too. Is it? Opportunity be knocking. (laughs) Why, you think I'm out here acting crazy? Do you ever watch his cooking show on Vice? Absolutely, bro. Morgan and I are are addicted to it. We love it. Mr. Baklavash. Mr. (laughs) Baklavash. It is three-question Thursday here on the program. Arthur Motes, without further ado, let's get it pop in here my favorite thing to do me too on honestly. a thursday i i do i do love when we get into this it's a lot of fun and i you know what it's funny here because all three of these questions i feel like could lead to a can of worms in a way i hope you get me fired up because yeah. you always do so like i don't know where to start because i want to make sure we have time so i couldn't decide so i'm just going to go chronologically here the, the way that they came to me and the way okay. that i wrote them let's down. do it baby I, I have nothing but time last week Kevin Durant became a minority owner, partial owner, of the Philadelphia Union. Big time. Shout out. That's a major league soccer team in Philadelphia. So I mean, they, they are the number one soccer league in the world, the MLS, just for contextual purposes. Yes, just like I'm the number one radio host in the world, just for contextual purposes. Hey, as long as your mother believes it, that's all that matters. <laughs> We were talking about that the big the bit uh, the ludicrous line right? <laughs> might not mean much to you, but my mama thinks I made it. My mama think I'm big time. <laughs> so Arthur, it's a real simple question: If you could own majority, minority, part of a team, a whole team, which sports team would you own, if possible? Oh man, well, I feel like I'm already a minority owner of the Cleveland Browns because I never lost. <laughs> ah! 
Oh, got that's, him. That's a good one. That's a good one. Got him. I might have to clip that for future use. <laughs> but if I had to think of a sports team, I would want to be a minority owner of. Man. I mean, obviously, you think about the big-time sports, your Steelers, any of the NFL teams would be awesome. But I'm going to take a different approach. I think for me, the New York Liberty, the WNBA team, yeah. I thought you were about to say the Knicks. No, no, no. We'll, gonna, we'll see, Knicks. You're going to rebuild the Knicks. Make the I, Knicks listen, great listen, again. Listen, listen, listen. The Knicks, I, I, I don't want to – ever dilute our relationship i don't want to cross that line of friend zones and now we're in a, a full-blown relationship i want to keep That's it true. platonic That's you know true. so me as a fan i don't want to ever lose that element when it comes to the knicks but being that i have two daughters and being that my oldest daughter heavy into basketball being that i did get my first opportunity to coach women's basketball for me man i think it would be cool as a former nfl player to show that, hey, man, I'm into this as well, and I want to help build that brand and make it a lot bigger. I think that will be pretty cool, and it's in New York, so you know mm-hmm. me. Anything in New York, you it touches it. my heart. I, I'm a New York guy at heart. I was born in Virginia, but I should have been born in New York. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker, all right? I'm a city guy. I love it. That's <laughs> just me. You do. <laughs> I like it. That was not what yeah, I was expecting. So, so, so I didn't win I New like York it. Liberty, man. I thought you were going to say L.A. Lakers. No, that's, I, that's see, for Bron's me, like, obviously, this Brown, like, I thought that, but I said, man, that's, I think, too easy Hmm. of a thing i wanted to like you know what what would i get the most where i would enjoy it and still feel fulfilled because i'm doing something impactful Hmm. and i think that's the thought process whereas if i'm a laker minority owner i'm just i don't know i'm I'm acting like magic (laughs) i ain't gonna be there i ain't gonna be there i'm not gonna be there i'm not gonna be there (laughs) so there's, what about you, man? Yeah, there's there's a lot to balance, right? The the personal interest mm-hmm. versus the I guess the financial aspect versus the just the what it means and the and like a franchise like the Knicks like, or like dude. Liverpool, for example. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I thought you might say them too because then you could be co part owners with your boy LeBron. I mean, they but, are the best. Oh, would you stop? I'm it? just all right. You've been hanging out with Mark Madden too much. <laughs> but to your example, that's a good point in the sense of. Liverpool Arthur Motes hasn't won the English league since 1990. Now they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna do it this year. Right. Um. It'll be the first time in 30 years. Imagine being the owner that finally yes. oversees that. Yes. Like so. Like that's what I thought about the Knicks. Like mm-hmm. if you came in and took over for James Dolan and led that franchise yeah. back to glory, you'd be a legend in New York forever. Absolutely. So I thought about that. I thought about that too with a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs that hasn't mm. won a Stanley Cup in over yes. 50 years. A team like the Buffalo Bills. If you, if you were the owner in Toronto See, or See, I feel Buffalo, like if I said the Bills, man, that's going to be the whole, well, of course he says the Bills. Arthur Motes loves the Bills. You know, if I said the Bills, of course he says the Steelers. Right. And I thought about the Pittsburgh Pirates, oh. right, for this, for similar reasons. Good Let's get Bob Nodding out of here. Let's win some games. But Arthur Motes, you know where I'm going with this. It's Manchester United, of baby. Of course it's Man U. It's of Man course, U, baby. Of I'm gonna be I'm gonna be over there across the pond over in Manchester. I'm gonna be singing my songs. Woke up this morning feeling fine. <laughs> Got Man United on my mind. I like it. You know what my favorite song that they sing is? What is it? They take the Creedence Creedence Clearwater revival. You know, the I see a bad Uh moon rising. I see trouble on the way. Mm -hmm. Wait, hold on. I'm about to get in the the proper voice here. All right, mate. There we go. I see a red moon rising. There it is. I see there's trouble on the way. Hey. Don't go out tonight. Okay. Unless you're dressed in red or white. Woo! There's a red moon on the rise. (laughs) 
great. I, I, I yeah, went Latino right there, my bad. Listen, I, I I love the sport of soccer. I know that's unpopular for a football guy. I, I love the sport of soccer. I love the culture of the hooliganism, yeah. the fan support of soccer. Mm-hmm. It would be Manchester United. See, I think that's, that's the cool part about this conversation, right? How we both have the major franchise that we would – Obviously, oh yeah, Lakers. Oh, oh yeah, this Knicks, or that. Yeah. But it's like it's super cool to hear what we're both very passionate about, <laughs> and then the thought process of like why we justify it in our minds. Like <laughs> I'm talking about women's basketball, you're talking about soccer, but yeah, we, we our profession is in what professional football. football. <laughs> <laughs> but that just goes to show Arthur Motes, right? Like the whole, you know, like we're talking about with Josh Dobbs. You don't have to pigeonhole mm-hmm. your athletes. You don't have to pigeonhole your Absolutely, radio hosts. Man. We like all we like all kinds of yeah, different. Yeah, we're very sports. diverse in our in our passions and our interests. And you know, Arthur Motes, one of my passions and interests is just interesting sports stats and facts and notes and right. I got opinions. I got research on everything. I mean, you better. So for three question Thursday, question number two, Arthur Motes, I've got two very impressive statistics for you. Okay. Okay. I want you to tell me which is more impressive. The first, Reggie White. You're familiar with him, right? Yeah, I heard of him before. We, I think we've all heard of him before. His third year in the league, Arthur Motes, he played just 12 games because he missed four due to injury, but he had 21 sacks in 12 games. 1987, dude. dude. Reggie White had 21 <laughs> sacks dude. in 12 games. Still on his rookie contract. Again, He's a problem. Let me Golly. repeat it one more time just for effect. In 12 games, oh, man. Reggie White had 21 sacks. Or Arthur Motes. Have you ever heard of Steve Carlton? He was a pitcher. Um, he pitched for St. Louis and for Toronto, and he was with the Phillies for a few years. He's like one of the better pitchers of the 70s. Okay, fair enough. He played for a St. Louis Cardinals team in 72, Arthur Motes, that only won 57 games. He had 27 of the wins. He had mm. he was 27 and 10 as a pitcher on a baseball team that went 59 and 103. So, Jeez. more impressive, Arthur Motes, Reggie White, 21 sacks in 12 games, or Steve Carlton, 27 wins as a pitcher on a baseball team that only won 57 games. Well, you know I'm biased, man. I gotta go with Reggie. I, I think just playing the 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 pass rusher position, understanding how much things have to go right <laughs> for you to get sacks, and the fact that he said 21 and he was four games short, like 21 and 12 games, dude, that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> that's my answer too. I mean, 21 <laughs> in 12 games, like on his rookie contract. Still, think about that's just think about what you are saying there. That's a lot of booty you're kicking, bro. <laughs> That's a lot of booty. It really is. What? I'm doing the math in my head like, dude, That's you're getting three, four sacks a game. And you're not even playing a full season. Yeah, imagine if you would have played those other four games by those numbers. Dude. You would have been close to 30 sacks on the year. Easily. Nobody would ever touch those numbers. Easily. Because what? Because The record is 22 and a half. 22 and a half. So he was one and a half off the record with four less, four less games. Think about that, man. And people talk about how Strahan, how he got last that last sack. Yeah. Far falling down. So, so even with that, you're like, dude, that's insane. It's crazy. Hey, winning 27 games as a pitcher on a team that only wins 57 games is insane, That's crazy too. as well. Like, both of those, both of those are, are just statistical anomalies. But yeah, man, twenty-one sacks in twelve games? You kidding me? If somebody did that now, we'd be measuring their gold jacket already. Oh, like, no question. Like already be measuring their gold jacket. You liked that one, didn't you? Oh, I did. That I was did. A good one.
And speaking of Reggie's. Because I was a Reggie White guy. Like, like, yeah. I don't know how you can dislike Reggie White. The minister of defense, baby. Speaking of Reggie's Arthur Motes. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Reggie Bush is back, baby. Yes. So I guess this is kind of a two-part question for you, Arthur Motes. I'm happy. Oh, me too. I'm ecstatic. Uh, First, as a former NCAA athlete yourself, how do you feel about that organization's authority to cancel athletes? And two... Who's the most electric college football player you've ever seen? Because it's Reggie Bush for me. Yeah, well, I'll answer this backwards. Clearly, the most electric college football player I've ever witnessed is Reggie Bush. Okay, I thought you might argue for Percy Harvin. No, or... no, no, okay. no, no. Percy Percy was my guy. Like, I was always a fan of his game. But never did it. It was he's never. A, it never even crossed he's my in mind. in a different world. Like, to this day, I still vividly remember watching live television, Reggie Bush running against Fresno State to stop. Cut back one sleeve. Ball just, behind the back. <laughs> man, it was filthy, dude. So for me, it was always Reggie Bush. I was always the biggest Reggie Bush fan, especially in high school. Like me, we had uh, I had another cat that played with me, and we would call ourselves Thunder and Lightning because of Reggie and Lindell White yep. when they were at USC. Yep. He's the only reason why to this day I want to go see a game where USC plays in the Coliseum. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Without a doubt, Reggie Bush. And in terms of the NCAA and having authority to quote unquote cancel athletes for was it um, no more than ten years? That's ten the years, rule. yeah. Because OJ Mayo's back. Correct. Shout out to OJ Mayo, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, but for me, man, I'm not now a fan of that. They're coming after Zion. I, I'm not a fan of it just because the NCAA. I mean, we talk about them making money and making a profit off of these athletes, and they're not able to do anything to monetize their worth when that's the only. That's the only profession or job field when we're talking about college kids and athletes where they're not allowed to make money. If you are, you could be on an academic scholarship and still go have Mm -hmm. a paid internship at an IT company. I did. And people don't view that as wrong, but you can be a megastar football player. And if you go sell your jersey or sell your autograph for $10, you're you're, you're ruled ineligible. Like for me, I'm not a fan of that. And then people always say, well, you're getting a scholarship. And we just said the exact same analogy. If you are on an academic scholarship, which numerous people are on. I was. Numerous people on academic scholarships. They aren't told that they are not allowed to go make money off of their worth. I was not. People do it all the time. All the time. I did. So for me, I think that's a big issue, and that's why I'm never a fan of the NCAA and that department because I I just don't like how they make it where athletes are not allowed to get any type of income, especially when you're talking about what they're capable of. This is their profession or going to be their profession. I think Mm -hmm. they should be able to monetize that while they're in college. And I don't want to hear this, oh, well, what about the amateurism and all this? Like, get it out of here because you're not saying that about anything else but sports. Yeah, sports are the only thing where we have this inclination for amateurism. and Like, it's nuts to me. I would even go as far, Motes, to kind of extend this into high school in a way in the sense of, like, if Arthur Motes is the football star of his town, and a car dealership wants to pay Arthur Motes $150 to come to the car dealership for a couple hours and take pictures. Why do I have a problem with that? If it's a market for it, it's a market for it, baby. Like, hey, I would – uh-oh. I don't know. This might be I, – I don't know. I feel like our audience is pretty hip with us, so this might not be a, a, a tough take. And he was a Cleveland Brown. I was never a Johnny Manziel guy. Mm-hmm. Was he fun to watch, all that stuff? Absolutely. I was never the Johnny Manziel sympathy side of people who were like, oh, well, he's under so much pressure, and just let Johnny be Johnny. No, act like a quarterback. But uh, the fact that he had 
companies in Texas that wanted to pay him thousands of dollars just to come sign some autographs, and he wasn't allowed to. I don't. I, I just. I don't think that's right. Uh, not at all. And, and the thing that's crazy is this, though. You'll have to do signings. Oh yeah. And they'll still sell that. Yeah. You just can't get any money for <laughs> right. it. Right. So for me, that was the part that always blew my mind. You go to yeah, a bookstore, you, you see your jersey, days. and they're being sold. They're selling your jersey. Mm-hmm. Your, your face is on the ticket. They they use your your likeness to generate millions, sometimes billions of dollars. But yet, you're not allowed to profit in any way, shape, or form. But if you were, hey, if you were just on academic scholarship, oh, you're, it's different then. You're fine. Hey, hey, man, go out, get, get you that paid internship with this Fortune 500 company. They might be paying you, you know, 30, 40 grand. I mean, because they can if that's your market, if that's what you're worth. But not with sports. So for me, that's my whole thought process when it comes yeah. to uh, and these colleges NCAA. can have can have fan days, right? Where all the athletes have to sit around, and the fans mm-hmm. can come through with their posters and get everything signed, mm-hmm. and they can charge the fans ten dollars to get in or whatever. But God forbid an athlete get ten dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars for his autograph, or, or, or you just pay for my food or her today. autograph. If you pay for my food, then I'm yeah. in trouble. But the food, right? Yeah, it's got to be a snack. It can't be a meal. Yes, yes. Because like that's me, a violation. You can give me a bagel, but if you give me cream cheese or peanut butter with that bagel, then we're in trouble. No, no, no. And, and a vegetable as a side. That's now, right. now that's too much. Does it come with a drink? If the drink is a medium and not a small, that's a violation. You can get a courtesy cup of water, but I can't give you a complimentary medium sprite, or I can't upgrade it to a large because, yeah, that that I mean, whoo, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm going to steal. There, there's been this term that's been going around, Arthur Motes, that's been a hot-button term. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think I can repurpose it and make it something that we can all agree on. Defund the NCAA. Uh-oh. <laughs> get them out of I, here. I'm with you. Just, just get them out of here. I, I, who are they to have the moral authority, any ground to stand on when it comes to that? And especially, like I said, it's one thing to hand out sanctions when programs are caught cheating. It's another to cancel an athlete and act like, oh, you can't hang their jersey. You can't display the stuff they want. You can't show. I mean, if you went to a USC game over the last 10 years, you weren't seeing Reggie Bush in any highlight pump-up videos. Which is insane. Which is insane. Because, I mean, at least for, I think, people our age, Reggie Bush is USC football. It's not even close. It's not even close. And they've had other guys, Carson Palmer and Lendale White and Matt Liner. They've had guys that have won Heisman's. Reggie Bush is USC football. Yeah, I'll never be with that. We talked about this same thing in kind of the way that Barry Bonds gets treated and the way that Lance Armstrong gets treated, where the leagues kind of try and take the guy who was the best, the most noticeable, and use them as to kind of the, example. to set an yes. example, to, to set the punishments. And I'm just never going to be with that, Arthur Motes. I ain't about that. I ain't about that life. I ain't about that life. But I am about the getting to the Twitter questions life. So okay. we will do that here after we take – our last break. You already know the drill. Last chance to get your tweets in. Speak now or forever hold your peace until tomorrow at noon. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. We'll wrap with your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
Wrapping up the show, as always, with your reaction on the Twitter.com. Everything on the table. And remember the rules. If you send us something appropriate, it'll get on the air. All right? That's the now, now, what there. do you mean by appropriate? You know, it, it's, it, it's got to be devoid of uh, four-letter words or potential uh, racism, homophobia, xenophobia. You know, just, okay, it, okay. It, 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 people know what I mean by appropriate. Okay, just, it can, it can toe the PG-13 line, but it needs to be more PG than PG-13. Listen, man, don't shoot the messenger. I just asked the question. <laughs> Little J and B55 agrees with us. I hate the way the colleges make money off these players. I agree with you guys 100%. They should be able to make money. And I like the high school suggestion. Like you said, Wes, I agree. Why should other people make money off these people that are doing all the work? It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really Without a simple. doubt, man. The lit one, Rebecca. Lit, 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 lit. She loves your uh, your choice of the New York Liberty for three question Thursday. She, hey. says, she says, I'm an old female baller from way back. Word, okay. Hashtag girl dad, hashtag baller. All right, I see you. I see you. Get on there and show the hoops there. Yeah. You know what? If we... Uh, if we ever get out to Latrobe again one of these summers and we do some of these pickup basketball hey, games. Hey, have her pull up, Rebecca man. Rebecca might have to pull up. She might have to get in on it. If I say lefty, righty with you, your shooter, you handle the rock, what you got going on? Uh, David, the Photoshop extraordinaire, says, Breaking news, Mike Tomlin is considering keeping Devlin Duck Hodges chirogenically <laughs> frozen this year. Oh, in man. In case Big Ben comes down with COVID. <laughs> is he just floating through the air like Dr. Evil? Hey. I'll get you, Mike Tomlin, if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> That's a good one. David. Hey, man. That, that's a good one. It's needed. Just just tell Bruce Arians that idea, and maybe we'll be on to something Uh-oh. here. Whoa. Thrash, Virginia's finest. Well, you know, besides Mozi, of oh, course. Oh, of course, you know. Uh, he says, I'm dying for hockey to be back, too. But if waiting another month for it mean, uh, to start means my guy Jake Gensel is back, by all means, I'll wait a month. You know what? All right, Thrash, you're right. So give me basketball or baseball or something back. I'll wait a month on hockey. Absolutely, man, because we definitely need Gensel back out there, man. That's a game changer. And, I mean, come on. If we're going to talk about the, the the pins going on this run, I want I want my guys full. I want, I want the full gamut. Let me get the full cup before we go out here, man. Mm-hmm. Gregory here. You know what? This one's a little bit out of left field, but we like out of left field. Uh, top three most uh, memorable Olympic moments for you guys. Ooh. You said memorable Olympic moments? Yeah. Oh, for mine, it's easy. Watching my boy LaShawn Merritt win the 400-meter dash. Mm-hmm. This would have been, I think, 06? Mm-hmm. I think that was the Olympics, 06 or 07, when he had won it, man. He beat, um, what was the cat? Was it Jeremy uh, Weiner? He used to wear the, the yes. sunglasses? Yes. Yeah, yeah, man. Beat him. I remember and that was just, like, iconic because this is somebody from the hometown, like, and more, more so my era. Like, it was different. You know, watching AI and uh, Mike Vick early on do their things because they're still a lot older than me. Sure. But with Merritt, it's like, man, this is a dude that I've been out here with on numerous occasions. Like, it was pretty cool to see that, man. So that's probably my most memorable Olympics moment. He asked for top three. You got any other two that come to um, mind? I think the other two would be just watching Usain Bolt. <laughs> it's funny. Holy cow, dude. So it's him winning 100 and him winning the 200. I'm talking, you know the one where they had to cover him on cover mm-hmm. of uh, Sports Illustrated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he had the one where he's like looking, looking back. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. I witnessed that, me and my dad, because we always watch the sprints. Like, that was our thing. And I remember watching that like, whoa, this dude is out of this world. Yeah, so he'll he'll be one of mine. Uh, my my number one go to is 
the the Michael Phelps eight gold medals in eight events year. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh huh. Like the seventh event was the relay. Yes. Against France. Uh huh. Where United States trailed the whole time, and then Lochte wanted it. Ryan, it, it was young yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Like that's how he became famous. Uh huh. Young Ryan Lochte comes back at the end and by like a centimeter beats the French yes. in the relay. My dad and I were watching that screaming at the TV. My dad hit me so hard in the uh. chest when you he like you know like suplexed me like yeah. across the room. Oh man, I, I'll never forget that USA coming back to beat the French. That's just kind of the USA France thing there yeah, too, and, and that too. And Phelps standing on the like screaming yeah, with his dope, arms man. out. Um, Usain Bolt. Just any time watching Usain Bolt would be one of mine. I, Bro, he's just different. A, a sport where. He is so different. A sport where milliseconds make the ultimate difference. He made it look so easy like no one else ever and has. And did it clean. And did it clean. I and think that's huge, especially when we're talking about the Olympics, because we already know how the Olympics and some very famed people that we've even talked about on the show mm-hmm. of lately. I mean, yeah, to, to be able to do it the right way, do it the clean and honest, so I think that was that speaks volumes. My third one, Arthur Motes, I'm going to go to the Winter Olympics for my third one. Ooh. Okay. Uh, 2010 gold medal game. Yes, the United States came up short to Canada. Sidney mm-hmm. Crosby scoring the golden goal. Okay. But when Zach Parisi scored with 24 seconds left in regulation mm. to send that game to overtime for the USA, that was one of the coolest sports moments of my life. That happened okay, on okay. my 19th birthday. Ooh. And let's just say my cousin, who was a senior at WVU and was older, got me into the most popular sports bar in Morgantown. Nice. As a 19-year-old, I will incriminate myself and him nice. no more. But so we're, it's my 19th birthday. I'm in the the biggest, coolest sports bar in Morgantown. Now, were you acting cool or were you acting like a 19-year-old? Because <laughs> that's the real question. Well, you got to think it's all college kids in here, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, when Zach Parisi scored with 24 seconds left to send the game into overtime, Arthur Motes, it was pandemonium. I, I mean, you know, everyone's wearing U.S. and, and bandanas yes. and stars and stripes and this and that, and Parisi scores that goal. And you've got Penguins fans and Flyers fans and Rangers fans and Blackhawks fans and Caps fans all high-fiving and going nuts together. I like it. Uh, that's something, I'll, uh, even though, like I said, they ended up losing the game. Uh, that was a that was a heck of a uh, a memory there for sure. Uh, Patrick, two part question from Patrick: Reggie White or LT? Oh man, why you got to? That's tough. I feel like Reggie White was definitely the better player, but for me, I'm a little more flashier, so I'm an LT guy. I and and I just just hearing like when LT was talking about what he would do the night before some of these games, his antics like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can relate. I can't relate. I was about to say I yeah. can relate to that. I, I can't. Let's go. I cannot relate to any of that. I'm not about to incriminate myself like that now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I cannot relate. You cannot but it, relate. If I were to be able to relate, I think I would relate a lot more with LT's <laughs> antics and how he would get ready for the game and, and go out there and produce in the game. Like, I, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Whew, that came out. You almost incriminated yourself. Yeah, I almost got bad rule. I almost got a text. <laughs> Couple texts. Patrick, Patrick also says, uh, Ray Cicerelli has retired from NASCAR, finished his illustrious career with zero wins, zero podiums, zero pole positions, zero fastest laps. His best finish was 33rd, and he did it once. We hate to see such a great one go. What's y'all's thoughts? Hey, man, don't let the door hit you on the way, how, baby. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split <laughs> Don't you. let the door hit you, baby, because that's how I feel about it. If you leaving because of you know, the things that he's leaving for, hey, that says a lot about you. It does, and I think it's perfect because he's quitting because of the Confederacy and and the Confederacy well-known quitters waving the white flag. I think it's perfect. Hey, man. 
It is what it is. <laughs> Last one here. Adele, before we get in trouble. Adele tweets us and said, uh, Jordan has publicly stated, Michael Jordan, Jordan, that he hates the greatest of all time debate because he hasn't played against those other greats from different eras. I tell you what, Adele, I didn't know that, but that's about the most level-headed take I've heard from a professional athlete when it comes to these type of things because I agree with him on that. Uh, I don't believe him. I I think the only reason he said that is just to to, to make poor people say, oh, that's why he's the GOAT. He know what he's doing. I don't want to hear that, Jordan. I don't want to hear none of that. I've also sat here and said that last year's Arizona Cardinals would beat the 1985 Bears. So I guess, again, and I've said that 40, 50 years from now, we'll be saying that this guy was a better basketball player than LeBron James. This guy was a better hockey player than Sidney Crosby because that's just human evolution and the technologies of the game. So, yeah, maybe I'm a little hypocritical to go with Jordan on that one. Yeah, I'm not following. Because I like the new, I'm not I like falling. The new flashy, shiny, give me what's new and, and hip and, and with it. I'm not falling for the Jordan banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> okay? I'm not doing it. I don't believe you, Jordan. I don't. I think his feelings are hurt by that. Uh, I hope not. I see how he gets when his feelings get hurt. I don't want no problems, with big man. <laughs> he'll be up in here no, trying to host, he'll be up in here trying to host the show tomorrow. Exactly, man. I don't need that problem. Mm-mm. That'll do it for today's program. Thanks to everybody, of course, who chimed in on Twitter. We, you guys know it. I say it a lot. It's redundant, but we really do. We love your participation. Makes things obviously easier for us, but it, it just makes things more fun to have that that radio community, if you will. And we do appreciate it. So let's finish off the week strong tomorrow on a Friday. What do you say? Thanks uh, also as well uh, to our guy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette yes, for indeed, joining man. us back on a regular schedule. Now it really feels like a Thursday with, uh, with the Batman joining us in the first hour. So thanks to him. Thanks to everybody who rocked with us. Arthur Motes will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to it, baby. Looking forward to it. Same time, high noon. And as always, you know where Yins can find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steeler Nation Radio.